0: This year for Oregon football, plenty of players have arrived via the transfer portal and plenty have left as well. We take a look at how the Ducks are embracing this new era of college football in what is semi-free agency, sort of. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, free and available on all platforms, and it's your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Appreciate you doing all of that. Five-star views on Apple Podcasts also appreciated as well. So. The transfer portal is uh, fascinating. You know, I, I think it's much more impactful in, in the college football realm than NIL because you have more players who are directly involved with it. Right. NIL in a significant way, when you're talking about, you know, the, the big money that gets thrown around it is really only going to come into play for a, a small number of college athletes. But the transfer portal. Anybody can do that. So today we're looking at how Oregon has handled the transfer portal. So, and we're, we're just doing football today. 10 players have left the program. Now there are a couple others who I, I think we're kind of walk-ons or players who, you know, we're never really going to play, but 10 guys have left the program this year. Jonathan Dennis and Jalen Jeffers, offensive lineman, Jalen Davies, the cornerback, Damon David entered the transfer portal recently as safety. Uh, at the back end of the defense, Christian Williams on the defensive line, Robbie Ashford, quarterback, DJ James, starting corner from last year, Travis Dye, we all know that one, Jason Jones, defensive lineman, Micah Pittman went to Florida State, as did Trey Benson, the running back. So those are the guys who have left. And, And of those 10, two of them were major contributors last year, Travis Dye and DJ James. I think when people talk about the transfer portal and say, oh, it's changing so much and I don't like the players leave you know, I understand all of that, but there's some give and take with it that that comes with the transfer portal, right? Is yes, players can leave your program, but you can also get really good players who who end up having an impact right away. And, And guys, you know, most of the players who leave, I would say are not going to be major contributor. Like look at look at the 10 that I just listed. Two of them were starters last year, right? Travis Die and DJ James. And this also happened, keep in mind, during a coaching change for Oregon, which is going to lend itself to more transfers that, than is normal. So when you look at that list of guys, right, and think about how Oregon is either using or getting hurt by the portal this year, that's plenty of talent Right. Uh, there there's plenty of talent in there. Ashford's a four star quarterback. Trey Benson, you know, showed some nice things and a few carries that he got. But overall, when I think of this offseason and how Oregon has approached the portal and how they've been impacted by it, I don't think they've been killed by it in any way because those are the ten guys who left. But you also have to factor in the guys who have come in. The nine players that the Ducks so far have added via the transfer portal. You've got Bo Nicks, Chase Coda. Marquise Irving, the running back from Minnesota, Jordan Riley, along with Casey Rogers, both defensive linemen from Nebraska who played for Tony Tuioti over there, Andrew Boyle, the kicker from Washington State, Noah Whittington, the Western Kentucky running back, Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Colorado, and Sam Timani, the Washington defensive tackle transfer. So there's plenty of guys who are also coming in this year who I expect to make an impact right away. So you know, lost 10 players, two of them were major contributors, and then there were some lighter ones from a season ago, right? You know, uh, Micah Pittman was definitely underutilized, but did I feel like Oregon needed him now that I see what the receivers are that they're able to bring in, right? That's the give and take that I'm talking about. You lose Micah Pittman, but you bring in Chase Coda, and Chase Coda can be just as productive as Micah Pittman was a season ago. And yes, I agree. Pittman was underutilized during his tenure at Oregon. That's why he transferred. But still, the point stands that he's leaving the program, but you're replacing him with a guy who is capable of replicating his production and is, in fact, more experienced, of course. But, you know, these other guys like Christian Williams, Jason Jones, Jalen Davies, Damon David. They didn't play a ton, right? You saw them here and there. They they made a couple of nice plays throughout the season. You see some potential, but guys like that are leaving the program because they're not playing a lot and because they're not high-impact players. And I think DJ James and Travis Dye left primarily because there was a coaching change, and that's to be expected because those guys committed to play for Oregon for certain position coaches and then a different head coach with Mario Cristobal. And now that a different staff is in there, maybe they want to go try something new or whatever the reasoning may be, but you understand why that happens. And I don't expect that at a place like Oregon, you're going to have a bunch of high impact transfers who, you know, you look back and say, boy, that was a, that was a starter. That that was a key contributor from a season ago. Right. I, I think that just happened with those two guys this year because you had the coaching change. So, I think when you look at the totality of guys that they've lost, I mean, DJ James, Travis Dye, yep, high-impact players, but Christian Gonzalez and, and Marquis Irving with Noah Whittington probably going to be able to replicate the sort of production that Oregon had there a season ago. And I look at all the other guys and just think, eh, those are the sorts of players that I expect to transfer, right? Guys who have some potential but are not seeing the field the, the way that they expected to or wanted to when they came to Oregon. And so they're going to seek out an opportunity elsewhere where they feel like they have a better chance to see the field. I don't think that that's some huge negative for the Ducks because guys like that are are going to be leaving the program at a higher rate than they were before. And you just have to, you know, it's easy to jump to the negative, right, and say like, oh, these guys, are like, oh, I wanted to see Jason Jones. I wanted to see Micah Pittman become a, a number two or number three receiver. Like, I, I want to see, and I, I, I get that, right? I, I totally am in that camp in terms of understanding it, but I just also realized that if that's the way it's going to be, then you just have to you just have to get used to it as a fan. And maybe some of you won't like that, but that's the way it is. It's like you can either take it or 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 leave it and just not follow the ducks because you don't like the transfer portal. And that that's everybody's right and such. But I, I'm just in the camp that the overwhelming majority of guys are going to come to Oregon who, you know, are big time recruits, that is and are going to play and are going to stay with the Ducks, right? It's not like we have a Noah Sewell leaving the program, or Kayvon Thibodeau never thought about leaving, or Justin Flo is not going to leave. I saw something on a message board about, you know, Texas wants to get him there. I don't think there's any legitimacy to that at all, at least that is discernible at this point in time. So I'm just not too worried about it in terms of the players who are going to leave the program because I think they're going to tend to be going forward Players like Jason Jones or, or Jalen Davies who, you know, show some nice things, show a little potential, make a play here and there. But overall, you lose them and say, boy, if we didn't have that guy season ago, we still would have been all right. And, and his reduction, his production is, is pretty replaceable there. I want to get to a little bit more on the players who have joined and what that will look like going forward after I tell you about Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect Snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so that you are fueled for your summer adventures. They have a bunch of amazing flavors. Have you tried the puffs yet? Because they're amazing. We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Yeah, that's a churro-flavored protein puff bar. What about that doesn't sound great? Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code Lock fifteen for fifteen percent off at built.com. The guys who Oregon have brought in via the transfer portal this year are going to I think kind of neutralize the players who left, right? And so yeah, Robbie Ashford leaves, but he'd never actually played before. And was he ever going to, you know, be the starting quarterback for Oregon? Eh, maybe not. But Bonix comes in and he's going to be the starting quarterback in all likelihood this year. So I, I just look at it as a, a different element to how Oregon football and, and the roster have to be approached by Dan Lanning and this staff because you're going to have guys leave, but then that creates opportunities for players to come in. You lose Travis Dye. Yeah. Yeah, that that sucks, especially when he goes down to USC. That's that's suboptimal. Right, If you're going to have someone like that transfer, yeah, you'd probably prefer he go somewhere where you don't have a, a potential contender or rivalry with, with that particular school. But then you were able to bring in a guy like Marquis Irving or Noah Whittington. And think about it from the point of view looking at a guy like Marquis Irving who comes over from Minnesota after leading the Golden Gophers in total yards, total scrimmage yards a season ago. That's not the sort of player that Oregon is going to lose on a regular basis. Yes, Travis Dye just went to USC, but he'd also been at Oregon for four years already. Irving spent one at Minnesota, led them in all-purpose yards, and then jumped ship for for Oregon. I I don't think that the Ducks are the sort of program where they're going to have those sort of high-level starting caliber players leaving on a regular basis basis i think you're going to see high level backups or guys who you know you, you rarely heard from aside from when they were recruited to oregon who who were not making a big impact on the field i mean how many of you out there knew that christian williams entered the portal i mean it wasn't that long ago or damon david for that matter and i'm sure there are some of you out there and i'm not faulting you for this because not everybody gets into the weeds on, on the roster and all the changes and stuff like i do that's what i'm here for of course for all of you but when you hear the name Damon David, you don't think, oh, dang it, that's a big, high-impact player. Like, yeah, he could have maybe become that, but there's a bunch of other talented guys on the roster ahead of him, which is why he is going to go elsewhere. So I think overall, and again, this is a year where Oregon is going to see more action in the transfer portal than normal because when a coaching staff comes in and they're trying to you know, hit the ground running, which this staff certainly did on the recruiting trail, right, going all the way back to seven McGee and Sean dollars going in the portal and coming out of the portal. And then all the recruiting wins that we've been talking about here on the show over the last couple of weeks. You have to remember that coaches have their own visions about what sorts of players they want to have on their roster. And most of these guys who who are on the Oregon football roster right now are holdovers from the previous administration. And it doesn't mean that Dan Lanning or Tosh Lupoy or Kenny Dillingham or Matt Pallage or anyone else can't like the players that are there. They're going to be coaching most of them, but they are also wanting to bring in certain guys that either they know they can succeed with or are fitting a, a certain body type or a player type. They're going to fit the position that they play. Marquis Irving is the best example of that, I think, because, we're starting to see a trend of the sorting running the sort of running backs that this staff clearly likes, right? They're a little bit smaller, they're well built, they're shifty between the tackles. You know, it's not a LaMichael and Kenyon mold. It's not a LaGarrett Blunt mold. It's not a, a Royce Freeman mold, right? It, it's sort of just a, a little bit of everything there. And so That's why there's been so much action in the transfer portal this year for the Ducks. I don't expect it to be this high going forward, right? They've they've lost ten. There have been a couple more that that I didn't name, like a couple walk-ons, I think, um, who who are going to go to smaller schools, most likely. And and they've brought in nine. I I think that's about as active as Oregon's going to be in the transfer portal going forward. You know, I I think in, in the coming years you'd expect it to be more in like the three to seven range, right? Because primarily. They're going to recruit the guys on the high school recruiting trail who come to the Ducks, but then you're still going to bring in a couple transfers each year. And uh, the previous coaching staff had years where they only brought in one transfer, like uh, Devin Williams one year with with Anthony Brown. I think that was uh, together. I might be getting it all mixed up, but there was a year where they only brought in one transfer, and that's something that the staff could totally do. They could also bring in six to seven every year, depending on how much roster turnover they have. And, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. And, and they appear very capable. This is the most important point, I think with regards to the transfer portal and the ducks, they appear capable and willing to, to embrace it in a successful way. I like a lot of the players that they've brought in and they've helped to fill needs. Coda experienced the wide receiver room. That was a need running back depth. They had a couple of guys, you bring in a veteran quarterback. I know not everybody's a fan of that, but as I've said here on the show, I don't think Butters or Ty Thompson are ready to be starters yet, so they do need someone who's capable uh, of playing that position that will allow Oregon to compete in 2022, because they're certainly capable of contending for the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 Championship once again this year. I think that's a very reasonable expectation, but if it does stay, like if I'm wrong and it does stay in this range in terms of the number of players they bring in or see leave the program each year, and it's eight, nine, or ten in in both directions, I would rather have that than them underutilizing the portal. You know, I'd rather you be overinvested in it than than underinvested. But and and, and I get it, right? I get that fans want players to stick around because college sports have that sort of feel, and you just you have to remember. The overwhelming majority of players are not transferring more are transferring than they used to, but that doesn't change the fundamentals of college sports or of the roster, right? It's, you know, creates a hole or, or a void here and then you can fill it with the portal over there. You know, I, I don't have to love every component of it, right? I wish guys would come to Oregon and, and always stay for three or four years, but I recognize that's just not that possible. And, you know, sometimes it does suck because you'll have a player like Travis Dileve, who I would have liked to have seen come back. He could have had a sensational season, but that's allowed us to, to bring in guys like Marquis Serving and Noah Whittington. And we'll get to see Sean Dollars, hopefully, if he can stay healthy. So one door closes, another door opens. So sometimes it sucks, but sometimes it can be a really, really good thing. It's like social media. Sometimes I hate social media. But from uh, an outsider's perspective, you have to be able to recognize that if you're a business or a company or, you know, in in this space, podcasting, if you're not on social media, then you're falling behind everybody else. Right. And I I don't want to see Oregon staff just for the sake uh, of forming, you know, bonds with certain players or such fall behind in that sense or or be afraid or timid in the portal. I'd rather they be all in on it. And, you know, overusing it sometimes than underutilizing it and failing to, you know, immediately fill holes and voids on the roster that are, that, that that they need to, right? I would rather they be all the way over here than all the way over here. You can either be, if I had to choose, and I, I don't want to have to choose, right? I hope they're able to find the right balance of recruiting high level players and, you know, getting them on the field to to both grow as players and keep them at the University of Oregon, but also balancing that sometimes you just have to you have to have the transfers. sometimes you, sometimes you have to. you just need someone who can come in who can fill a need and be serviceable in that role. and I think that's okay and I think this staff is proving that they're willing to do that. they're capable of doing that and it's just something that we have to get used to going forward as college football fans. I want to talk a little bit more about Jermaine Kuznard. That is how you pronounce his name, by the way, Kuznard. I apologize for not getting that right last time on the show. The South Carolina transfer guard for Dana Altman and company. First, I want to tell you about Online, Your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, Go Mariners. They've had a tough run of it lately. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, eSports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So Jermaine Kuznard is coming to Oregon from South Carolina, and he's coming alongside Chuck Martin, which I think is a really good thing. You know, for a guy who is going to play at a new school that is – literally on the other side of the country, new environment, new teammates, all that sort of stuff, finding some form of continuity or consistency or familiarity from what you had before where he was succeeding playing for the Gamecocks in the SEC, I think is a really encouraging sign for why he could become a nice player this year. But as I was doing some background on him, I was kind of thinking about, okay, what kind of player – Could he become Dane Altman's brought in a number of transfers over the years and some have worked out and some have not worked out as well. Just kind of depends. And it's the same thing with football, right? Sometimes you bring a guy in, he makes an impact, fills the need right away. And you're calling his name all the time on uh, on a broadcast on Saturdays, right? Other times he comes in and uh, this isn't really it. You know, like Vernon Adams was a great addition for a quarterback. Dakota Prukop was not. Dakota Prukop wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great either. But Vernon Adams was really, really good. You're going to have that sort of variance. It's not that different, frankly, than how you should view high school recruits. Sometimes a big-time recruit comes on campus, boom, pops right away, and is a high-impact player. Other times, never quite able to to find the rhythm and doesn't quite live up to the hype that, that was built for him when he first got recruited to the Ducks. The same thing with, with transfers as well. But I was watching some highlights of Kuznard and, uh, you know, doing some digging about him. And and I just kept coming back to this thought. He reminds me a lot of Dylan Ennis, the, the Villanova transfer who was in the starting lineup all season long when Oregon went to the final four in the 2016-17 campaign. And, you know, they, they even shoot and move the same. You know, I I think Kuznard kind of flares his left arm out a little bit more than Ennis, but they put it in a very similar shooting pocket, and they just kind of rise the same way. They slash the same capable finishers with both hands, and they were both productive at a Power 5 school or a power conference. I mean, because Villanova is in the Big East at the – or is in the Big East. Yeah, Anyway, you know what I mean. At a major program, they're coming to the Ducks where they were productive at their previous stop, he loves to use the pump fake and drive. He finishes really well at the rim. Not a huge mid-range player, but can knock one down from just inside the arc if he needs to, but is primarily going to you know play on the wing. He's a combo guard. He's good in transition. And you know, if the backcourt this year does end up being him and Keyshawn Barthelme, which is what I expect it to be, because I don't think Will Richardson's going to come back for Oregon basketball. I think both are going to handle the ball a lot as a primary point guard. And both were, you know, guys who averaged three to four assists a game in their previous stops, Bartholomew at Colorado and Kuznard back at South Carolina. But, you know, I even went and looked at the statistics that that Ennis had when he came over from Villanova. His last year with the Wildcats, he averaged 10 points a game, three and a half assists, 42% from the floor, and 36% from deep. Kuznard, last year at South Carolina, scored a little bit more. Wasn't quite as efficient, but 12 points a game, 3.5 assists, 40% from the floor, 32% from beyond the arc. Now, he played in 26 games last year and came off the bench for 10 of them. I I wouldn't expect him to do that. When when guys transfer from, from major Power 5 caliber programs and they go to another Power 5 school, the, the expectation for him is that they're going to that they're going to start, and I don't think that that's a bad thing at all for Kuznar because he's a really really nice player, and so his percentages can improve a little bit. You know, they're a little they're slightly below where Ennis's were this season. He came over to the Ducks and had a really really nice year, and it, w- it was just such a solid player and a veteran presence as well. But you know, he was low, you know, forty percent from the floor. It's not not terrible for a guard, but 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 not great. Uh thirty-two percent from distance. Again, that can get a little bit better. Only sixty-eight percent at the line last year for South Carolina. That's another area where I'd like to see him improve. But I think the potential to improve all three of those percentages is there because South Carolina last year, they were they were a fine team. they were 18 and 13. They finished nine and nine in SEC play. But the the team that Oregon is assembling for the 2022-23 season. I think should be better, not just from a season ago, but from what South Carolina was a season ago. And so that is something that has the potential to help him in terms of improving those percentages. Because if you're playing on a better team around, you're not asked to do as much. You're able to take better shots. You don't have to force the issue as often. He's not going to be someone who I think has to carry the load. You know, Kelo every time I watch his highlight reel, I get more and more excited because he is... He, he is something else. And Barthelemy is going to be there as well. And Quincy Garrier is going to score. And Enfali Dante will get some buckets. And then you have you know the bench unit. that will probably be something like Dior Johnson and Nate Biddle and, and Rivaldo Soares and Tyrone Williams coming over from the JUCO level. So I think there's going to be more depth and, and talent on this team than he had a season ago. And I think that could help him you know not have to not have to force the issue so much and, and help him be just a little bit more efficient but still a guy who I expect to have uh the ball in his hands pretty pretty often this year but I am excited about what what he could bring to to Oregon's backcourt cuz I think he and Bartholomew both averaged, you know, over 11 points a game a season ago. You know, losing Will Richardson, Davion Harmon, Jacob Young, got to replace them all and I think Dana Altman using the transfer portal where necessary is doing a nice job so far. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go duck.